Well, good morning, church. I couldn't help but, uh, <clears throat> you know, think when uh, that last song was was playing. It is so true. Um, you know, aren't you glad that we serve the true and living God, a great God that, you know, when you look at uh, just the condition of the world, it doesn't take much to to make you think, man, I'm glad I got an out. <laughs> I'm glad that this is not it. You know, um, because there's a lot of crazy things going on in this world today. But praise God that the Lord God Almighty is sitting on the throne and he is in full control. Amen. Amen. He's sovereign. Nothing catches him off guard. Um, and he is going to continue to uh, allow things to proceed before his son comes back. And so we get the privilege of being alive during this time. This is a great time to be alive, to uh, just give honor and glory to God and be a, a, a be a faithful witness for the kingdom and uh, for the gospel and for the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, as has been said, yes, we are uh, constantly praying for those that are you know uh, unable to be here uh, physically uh, today, and uh, we know that God's hand is on them and. Uh, we'll continue to intercede for those and uh, we'll be looking for praise reports when people are healthy and well and uh, the Lord defeats uh, this uh, little COVID virus, uh, whatnot. But uh, praise God that uh, those of you that are that are here, um, you know, again, the Lord gave you strength, watched over you throughout the night. Simple things that are, are so important, right? Uh, the fact that your organs are working, the, th- the fact that your brain is functional, that you're cogni- cognizant of understanding what's going on. You, your, 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 your eye can readily see and you're, you, know, you react to things well. Now, those are important things. We never want to take those things for granted. Such blessings, great blessings those things are. Well, in any case, I'm excited to uh, jump into chapter 5 this morning of the book of Revelation. So when you get there, if you could please stand, we'll be uh, looking at Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And uh, I've simply entitled this message, The Scroll and the Lamb. Again, you know, uh, a pastor or a preacher's job is not to reinvent the wheel, <laughs> to try to get creative. You know, our responsibility, every Christian's responsibility is really just to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to share what's in the text. And we just share that back to people. That's it. You know, um, we don't embellish the truth. We don't try to add or take away. And this, <laughs> the word is clear. This, this book is, is clear that anyone who adds or takes away is going to be cursed. So <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> and I don't want that for any of you. So um, we're just simply reading the word of God, how powerful that is. All right, we'll start in verse one. It says, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Verse 4, And I began to weep loudly because no one, was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, 
Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, simply put, you are worthy. You are the only one worthy of honor, glory, and praise. Thank you that you've allowed us to recognize that. Lord, we're no longer spiritually blind. We see the truth in Scripture. We see the truth revealed of who Jesus Christ is. And Lord, today we want to, again, come before you with a sacrifice of honor and praise. Lord, you're worthy of it. And that's our, uh, that's what we owe you. Lord, uh, we could never repay the debt that's been paid to us, but we, we do desire to be bond servants, understanding what's been done for us. And so every heart should gladly look to obey you. The baby knows. <laughs> look to be obedient, Lord, because uh, it, it's, it's just the right thing to do for what's been done for us. How could we not give over our lives and allow you to have full reign and control and utilize us in such a way where we would bring honor and glory to you and that we would live out our God uh, given purpose in life. Lord, we're never going to be filled truly and satisfied until we come to that realization. So, Lord, would you speak to us through your word this morning? Help us to understand how uh, this portion of scripture, again, is so applicable to our lives today. We don't have to wait to heaven to, uh, to understand or put these principles into action, but we can truly live it out now. Please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to rightfully divide your word and apply it to our lives. Father, we thank you and love you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. All right. As I mentioned, today we're going to begin chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. Last week we took uh, an in-depth in, in look at the four living creatures and the 24 elders around the throne. Um, just to make a clarification, um, and Daniel helped me out with that last week, they were seraphim, not cherubim. Uh, again, I've never uh, claimed to be uh, a master at the scriptures, and uh, the good thing is uh, a teachable spirit. <laughs> it's a good thing, right? Uh, if we're, we don't have a teachable spirit, you're not, you're not really God's man or God's woman because he's not going to work through pride. And so whenever we can glean from another brother or sister in Christ and get a little uh, clarification on some things, it's a good thing. So anyways, we looked at these four living creatures last week and we looked at the 24 elders, all who were around the throne of God. How they worshiped God and how their worship of God relates to us. Even though we're here on earth, uh, the worship of these, these angelic beings and the 24 elders definitely impacts us as believers here on earth. As we dive into chapter 5, we will again see a common theme. And that common theme is this. The worthiness of God. Simply that. As I was studying this week, you know, I kind of was struggling with this portion of scripture because I was like, man, Lord... Uh, for the longest time, it's been, in some senses, quite easy for me to end a message, end a sermon. And I struggled this week, and I'm like, Lord, what is it? And it was so cool because the Lord actually spoke to me as I speak to my son. You know, uh, Kalos, uh, at times, with his, uh, with his homework, he's, his mind is going <laughs> so fast. 
that he overthinks things a lot of times. And, and, I, and I see Veronica, you know, when she does homework with them, she's like, Kalos, you're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. Just read what the text says. What is the question asking you? And just answer the question. <laughs> don't, don't come up with any other detail. Don't try to add anything to it. And, uh, you know, as I was just sitting pondering, Lord, what's, what's going on? Show me, reveal to me, help me to understand the text. And the Lord just like, just right upside my head. He's like, it's just simply that. It's the worthiness of me. Speaking of God, it's the worthiness of Jesus Christ. That, that, is the, that is the heart of the text this morning. It's simply that. But in that, it's so deep, the worthiness of God, that, that it, it, it would take beyond a lifetime for us to truly grasp and understand and come to the point where you know, we're, we're, we're honoring God in a way which he should be honored. There's several main points, and the first one is this. The Lord God is the only one worthy because of his righteous, perfect nature. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we have to figure out is what does it, what, what does it mean to be worthy? What, what is the definition of worthy for someone or something to be worthy? Well, worthy means having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specific way. So, specific qualities. I mean, you look at God. The qualities of God are, are unmatchable, right? There's no one or nothing else like Him. And because He is holy and set apart, that means that He deserves recognition in a specific way. And that's what honor and praising Him with a lifestyle of praise and worship means because what he has done for us. You see, when we look at humanity, right? You can look at yourself. (laughs) You can look at your neighbor. You can look at the people on television. You can look at the people in office. You can look at sports uh, stars. You can look at movie stars. You can look at philanthropists. You can look at people who are in the university. You can look at the janitor. You can look at the people that work at the gas station. It doesn't matter. When you look at humanity... It doesn't matter who it is. No one is perfect. No one in a human shell is perfect. We all have issues. We all have flaws. You know, um, I'm one of those OCD people when it comes to like cutting my hair and trying to trim my beard. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. My wife's like a couple weeks ago, she's like, you know, it's never going to be perfect this side of heaven, right? Why are you investing so much time? You really do love yourself, don't you? You're staring. She's like, nothing's going to change in that mirror. And, 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 it, and it, takes, it takes a lot for me to just, you know, put the clippers down. <laughs> you know, there's only, so, you know, sometimes, I, I, I'll, I'll, well, the mask is hiding it, but sometimes I'll come in and, man, cheeks all red. Because it's like, how many times are you going to go over your face with the razor? You can't, I mean, you can't, you can only do so much. We're not perfect. We're not perfect, right? We all miss the mark. We fail to hit that bullseye. And sin is that thing that causes humanity to fail to glorify the Lord God the way he should be glorified. Sin, that nasty three-letter word. Man, it just ruined it for everybody. <laughs> it ruined it for us. You see, this was first present, present excuse me, in the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
And because all of humanity comes from the line of Adam, all people have been corrupted with sin except for Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because it's like, even when you trace all this back and people want physical proof and evidence, it's like, you know, racism is just so silly. But, you know, Satan will suggest or has suggested to people whispering in their ears, don't like that person because the way they look or don't like this or that person because of their culture, this and that. The reality is we all come from the same line. We all come from the same line. And and it's just interesting to me because it's like some things like that, racism, it has no place. It definitely has no place within the church of Jesus Christ because we all come from the same line. We all come from Adam. Our fallen, corrupted nature is from one man. You see, and these are obviously reviews to all of you. I'm sure all of you are well-versed in this. You understand it, but it's still very important to, it should remain fresh in our minds. We should never gloss over this and just think, oh, well, I've heard it, I know it, because it's new in the sense of it should be something that we're aware of every moment. I'm not saying be legalistic or be ultra, uh, you know, you know, spiritual. What I'm saying is just to be aware of these things, because the minute we think we've got it made, it's the minute we're about to fall. Eh? Pride comes before the fall. You see, sin leads to death, both bodily and spiritually. And a, a good a good way to figure this out is if you don't believe me or if you don't believe the word of God, when you go home, simply look into the mirror. Simply just look in the mirror. Look at yourself. I'm, I'm being honest. The, the reality is you and I are perishing every day because every day you're going to see another wrinkle sprout up. You're going to see a little more droopiness sag. You're going to see another gray hair pop up. And, and, and when we really look at it for what it is, the deterioration of the physical body is marred by the effects and the curse of sin. We weren't created to die, but because sin was interjected because of disobedience, now we all must face a physical death. Some people don't like to hear that. Some people are like, oh, don't talk about death. It's gonna, you're just going to freak me out. Or some people go into, man, I... I got to write up the will and do all this and that. And and that's fine and good. That's good that, you know, some people have those things taken care of, that they're ready to, when when they're deceased, that, uh, you know, their loved ones won't have to deal with heavy burdens when it comes to things of that sort. But the reality is, and uh, Solomon spoke about it a lot, it's wise for us to speak about death. It's wise for us to ponder and consider the fact that we are going to meet our maker one day and that we're not going to live here forever, forever, excuse me. We have to have a, 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 a real, honest, sober understanding of death. You see, it's funny because I say that, and yet when you look on the television, all of the industries in, <laughs> involved with making money <laughs> all try to reverse the signs of aging. Reverse it. Oh, if you just do this exercise and work, oh man, you can be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be super healthy. If you eat this food and do this and that, oh man, you won't age. It's gonna take, you know, 10 years off of the aging process. Or if you buy this anti-wrinkle cream and do this and that, you can, you know, you can look good forever. I mean, we go so far as we cut up our faces, we cut up our bodies, we put foreign objects inside of us to make us look like I don't have these wrinkles. I don't have this. Or, you know, we die this and we die that. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to attack people that 
you know, feel led to do those things. I mean, hey, it is what it is. If it makes you feel confident in, in who you are, then, then by all means, I guess, do it as long as you don't have any conviction about what you're doing. But the reality is there's no, there's, there's no, there's no magical pill that's going to make you stay young forever. There is no fountain of youth. I don't care what they try to sell you. I don't care what they've come up with scientifically, you know, GMO modified, trying to tell you that this is going to help you stay young. It's not. They're not God. You will die. <laughs> you will die a physical death, you know. It's just the reality of the byproduct, unfortunately, of the curse of sin. But this is precisely why Jesus Christ came to earth. The fact that you don't have to be deceased forever. John 3.16, right? I mean, you see it at football games, the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, right? Look in the mirror, I'm perishing. Oh man, but if I trust in Jesus Christ, I don't have to perish. I can have eternal life. This is the reason Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, is the only one worthy of honor and glory and able to open the seal the seals of the scroll because he alone made it possible for all of humanity to be reconciled to God, the father. He paid the price once and for all to a debt that we could never repay. And we honor him for that. And we thank him for that. And and our lives should be transformed by that. When we come to that realization, our lives should never be the same. It's like we know too much And we've been given too much grace and mercy to ever go back to the way we used to live. We all have a past that's checkered. But now a new creation in Christ, we recognize what's been done for us. And it's like, man, Lord, I gladly give you my life. I'm so grateful that you saved me and you didn't let me die in my sin. Do you know how horrible that would be to die in your sin apart from the Lord Jesus Christ? Not accepting him, not accepting the free gift. That's such a sad state for any person to be. And how shameful would it be for those who have heard the message over and over and over. And all they did was harden their heart over and over and over again. To the Lord said, you fool. This night your soul is required of you. I I, I don't wish that upon anyone. And we look at the state of the world and it's easy to get frustrated because you look at the state of, of people and it seems like people just don't care and, 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 and they, just, they just are so selfish. But we need to be, we, we have the light of Jesus Christ. We need to be uh, interceding for people and reaching out to folks and, and, and doing our due diligence to be faithful witnesses, right? Because that's why we're still here. That's why you're still here. That's why you're, you're functional. That's why you're not laying up in a hospital bed. Even if you're laying up in a hospital bed, you could still reflect the light of Jesus Christ to those around you as a true follower of Christ. Not until your last breath is taken from you is your responsibility uh, relieved of what we are to do as servants of the Most High God. But Jesus Christ and what he has done, that is the reason why he is worthy to open the scroll. The second main point is this. 
Because God is the only one worthy, whether humans admit it or not, without Jesus Christ being the centerpiece of our lives, we are helpless. We are helpless without Christ in the middle. You see, our text, in our text here, the Apostle John weeped loudly because no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was found worthy to open the scroll. He weeped. He was, he was anguished by the fact that the angel said, nobody can open the scroll. He's, he, he, was, he was very concerned about this. And it wasn't just that no one else had the authority to open the scroll, but it was that no one else was worthy to even have the authority to do so. It's like no one was even worthy. No one was even counted worthy of even being able to go near the scroll and touch it, let alone look upon it and open its contents and reveal what's in it. You see, this is the same point that nothing in this world is worthy of sitting upon the throne of your heart or my heart other than God. It's the same point. Different words, but it's the same exact principle. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 tells us, For what will it profit a man or woman? I'm not changing. <laughs> that, that, that word is used in a way where it's speaking of both sexes. If he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what shall a man give in return for his soul. You see, when a person is awakened to the fact that their soul is void of real purpose, I mean, you wake up one day and you're just like, you have all your ducks in the row, but you're empty. You're like, I don't, I'm married, I got kids, I got money in the bank, my health's okay, I have a career, but I, I'm empty. I don't, I don't, what's wrong? I, I've done everything that the society has told me I'm supposed to do. I graduated high school. I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree. I studied for my master's. I, 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 I'm earning a salary and income. Maybe your situation's not like that. Maybe you're far from that. But the situation remains the same. No matter what you do. You know, I was there years ago. Smoking as much weed as I could, living a lifestyle like that for years, drinking the whole nine. It, the, the, that doesn't make you full. That doesn't fill you. The, it loses its luster so quick. That's why drug addicts are addicts, <laughs> because they're looking to fulfill a void that they can't fulfill. But when a person is awakened to the fact that their soul is void of real purpose, despite having worldly success, it is then that they have the opportunity to realize that they are helpless without Jesus Christ. Hear me, church. Nothing, nothing or no one else will ever truly satisfy you other than Jesus Christ. Please do not look to your spouse. Amen. Do not look to your spouse to fulfill you. If you look to your spouse to fulfill you, you've already got it wrong. If I make it this far... <laughs> I've already told Veronica, I said, if, if Tirza, well, Kalos too, but you know, I guess for some reason, I don't know, we're, we seem to be more protective of our little girls. I said, if, if my, my little girl ever is in a position to get married, I'm going to ask the gentleman one question and I'm going to know right off the bat if that's the person that she should marry. Not that I have any say in it because she's going to ultimately, ultimately make her own decisions, but I'm going to simply ask the gentleman, who do you love more, my daughter or Jesus Christ? And if that man says, my daughter, get out. <laughs> 
get out, I'm getting the bat. <laughs> I'm just playing. But, but seriously, nothing or no one else is ever going to satisfy. It's not. You know, and, and some people, they look to family. And yes, we should love our families. We should endear our families. We should support our families. But sometimes family can put family on a pedestal higher than God. And then it gets all, that's wonky. That's not good. <laughs> or, or a career or a hobby or even service. You know, that's where it gets touchy. Oh, within the church. Yeah, plenty of times. You know, oh, man, I do this. I'm doing that. And you know, that's what Paul talked about. That's what the whole thorn in the flesh was for Paul. Because he was blessed so greatly by God. And he saw, so, he saw such things that only few were able to ever have revealed to them. That the Lord had to keep him humble. <laughs> lest he get a big head. And, and we want to have the proper perspective of what's going on and who we should be honoring and glorifying lest we enter into that same uh, idea and, and, and be led astray in the sense of we're looking for other things to fulfill us when only Jesus Christ can. Only Christ can. The third main point is this. And, and this is a... I like how, again, you know, the Lord never just leaves you out to dry. It may seem harsh at first, some of the things that are mentioned, at least for me. I'm like, man, Lord, this is hardcore. But then he goes on to reveal that the third point is this. We don't need to weep anymore because Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. Again, the Apostle John was so anguished by the fact that the angel said, no one is worthy in heaven, on earth, under earth to open this scroll. But then... The Apostle John was reassured that because Jesus Christ is sinless, because he has defeated sin and death for good, this makes him alone worthy of opening the scroll. At the same time, oh, excuse me, in the same way that John didn't need to weep anymore because Jesus Christ is worthy of opening the scroll for us today, for us, you and I in this room, we don't need to weep anymore because of the completeness of life found in Jesus Christ. You can walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ today. You don't need to wait until you get to heaven. Amen? And I'm not saying you're not going to have difficult circumstances. Yes, you are going to weep. I am going to weep. But I'm talking about uh, defeated. You know? I'm talking about where you're just like, I, I'm just done. Where people are like, I just heard a story um, <clears throat> a couple days ago, you know, a married couple. And, you know, they're like, man, just, this marriage is just not working. And I just can't, I can't, I can't see myself being in this marriage forever. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the husband was so d depressed and beat up that uh, he went to the pharmacy. And he went to the pharmacy and he, and he, he got a, he got a, a you know, a, a little thing of sleeping pills. And uh, he went to some beach somewhere. And uh, he took these sleeping pills and, you know, gobbled them down. And, and just a moment later, uh, he was dead. And, and, and these kind of things happen when we are at a place of just total despair. But us as believers, if you've seen the light revealed to you of who Jesus Christ is, you don't have to weep like that. Even in your darkest days upon this earth, you could know that your soul is secure and your future is secure in Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and look at this first verse. <clears throat> Revelation 5.1. And this is, uh, again, John speaking. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated in the throne a scroll, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. 
Okay, so flashback to Revelation chapter 4. The focal point or the focus was the throne. Here, John begins with a reference to the throne, but now he shifts his focus to the scroll held by the one who sits upon the throne. So we're seeing this idea of the heavenly host of God sitting upon the throne. And he's the one who is holding uh, the scroll written within and on the back. So what this simply means is that the scroll was unusual. So we need a quick background, um, if you don't know, about scrolls and how they typically uh, work. Because it wasn't a common practice to write on both sides of a scroll back in the day, back in this ancient time. It wasn't. It was one side which it would be written on and that would be it. This means that whatever information was on the scroll, there was a whole lot of it. There was a whole lot of it. Almost more than the scroll could actually contain. The fact that it was written on front and back. Um, ancient scrolls were read uh, left to right, horizontally, right? Not, not, not vertically, not up and down. Um, the, the rolls of the scrolls were on the left and right, and um, the writer would uh, lay narrow columns about three inches wide, um, writing on some kind of a substance that was uh, brown like paper. And the scroll would be held in the left hand, and it would be unrolled with the right. And as the reading went on, the previously read portion would be re-rolled up. That's how they would do it. On such a typical scroll like this, uh, or that we see the book of Revelation, this book that we're studying through, with all of its chapters, would fill a scroll about 15 feet long. That's just to give you kind of an idea of what it would look like. Um, now next we see sealed with seven seals. When a roll was finished, it was fastened with string of some sort, and the strings were sealed with wax at the knots. This scroll was sealed with seven seals. There were seven strings around the scroll, each string sealed with wax. These were not seven writings, each separated by a seal, but seven seals all set upon one scroll. All the seals have to be opened before the scroll could actually be read. They all have to be popped, and then you could read. The orchestra. <laughs> a scroll written. That's the next portion of what we're looking at. A scroll written. Now, throughout the centuries, commentators suggest many different ideas of what uh, this scroll is and, and what was written upon it. But, but I say this. It's important to remember that whatever was on the scroll, no one except Jesus was and is worthy to open it and to read its contents. But let's take a look at the two most likely answers that, are, that line up with our biblical context because there, there are just too many ideas floating around and we just don't have time to go through all of them. And, and quite frankly, I don't see the point of going over stuff that doesn't even have any basis from a biblical context standpoint. Okay, so some think that the scroll was the title deed to planet Earth. Now, this is an attractive idea, especially because the coming time of tribulation will end with Jesus ruling the Earth. But it's hard to prove this theory with certainty. The best connection is this 
idea uh, seems to sit well with Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 6 through 15, which describes Jewish title deeds as sealed. But there is no doubt that the earth is already the Lord's. Psalms chapter 41, or excuse me, 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Even though gover- the governments of this world belong to, in some sense, Satan, that's where the problem with this theory comes into play. Because if God had to get the title deed back, where did God ever lose the title deed on planet Earth, to planet Earth? He would never lose it. In fact, God holds this scroll so it isn't lost. But the scroll must be opened for it to be revealed. This other theory, which seems to be more relevant to the, to the text of Scripture, is this. The best solution is to see the scroll as God's will His final settlement of affairs of the universe. This is based on the idea that customarily under Roman law, a will, right? Wills were sealed with seven seals, each from a witness to the uh, validity of the will. The bottom line is this. Basically, the seven sealed book is the comprehensive program of God culminating the second coming of Jesus Christ, as will Lord willing be able to see and all the different plagues and all the things that are to come, right? This is all culminated uh, in Jesus Christ coming back, but it's described within uh, this scroll and and, and the seven seals are, are holding all of this information together. You see, the idea here is that God has a book in which the history of the universe is already written. He alone has written the history of the world in advance, hence the word history, his story, right? The root word, we, we understand that, that the, the concept of history really comes from a biblical perspective of a being outside of creation and that is revealing things as they unfold. He alone has his hand, the history of the world in advance. He alone is uh, allowing these things to transpire. He alone initiates the consummation of all history. Only God can handle and hold this scroll. This uh, verse goes on to say, in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll. You see, this is the one thing that we have to keep in mind as we go through the book of Revelation, because it's very easy when studying through this book to get caught up in all the details and the mystery concerning the seven seals and the bold judgments, right? I mean, there's a lot that goes on with that. Many have created charts and have gone to great lengths to try to prove their reasoning behind how they view this book. So the question is, what does this mean for us today living on earth? What does this mean for you and me? Do we get caught up in, in all this and that and try to explain uh, you know, this and that, you know, I've heard, uh, I was listening to a pastor the other day and he said, you know, <laughs> he said, this was years ago, but he said, you know, I used to get caught up at the Christian bookstore and I would be debating with people, other Christians about this and that. He said, you know, I had to come to a point where the Lord showed me, stop, stop. You're missing the point. It's not to be debating about these things. And the application is this. In light of all this information, we must remember the emphasis is not on the content of the scroll or its seals, but the one who is worthy to take it and to open it. Again, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about the Trinity, the triune God. It's all about the Almighty God. It's not about all these other things. If we miss the point that God is the only one worthy, 
then it doesn't matter even if we were privy to understand what was really on the scrolls, or the scroll, excuse me, it wouldn't make a bit of difference because we would have missed the main point. All right. The next two verses, Revelation 5, uh, chapter 5, excuse me, verses 2 through 4. And it says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So we see here a mighty angel. Now, again, I am no uh, specialist at this, but the reality is we don't know who this angel is. We don't know. Many have suggested that it is Gabriel, but we don't know. Nonetheless, this angel issued a challenge to all of creation. <laughs> To all of creation. He simply asked, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? You see, this is a challenge no creature can answer. Because no creature is worthy to open this particular scroll. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open this scroll or to even look upon it, to gaze upon it. And John could not have said it any stronger. It was as if the mighty angel looked through the entire universe to find someone worthy. Looking through rows, looking through neighborhoods, looking through states, looking through countries. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And didn't find anyone worthy to even look at the scroll. The application is this. There was no answer to the mighty angel's challenge because the creation is utterly incapable of deciding or affecting its own destiny. And that's why things like sayings like seize the day and all this kind of stuff, that's just, it's a, it's hogwash. It really is because your steps, my steps are ordered by the Lord. You and I have an ordained time to live upon this earth. We do have a free will. And so you can uh, kick against the goads and make your life more difficult, or you can do it on your, have you ever tried to do something on your own and forge your own way? And you even may accomplish some things, but do you know how difficult it is to sustain whatever you're trying to do in your own strength? Have you ever done that? I know I have. And everything came crashing down because I could only sustain for so long because it didn't have the Lord's hand upon it. It was me doing things. And people are doing all kind of stuff. Getting into business. They don't got the Lord's favor or hand upon it. And, and they're trying to sustain this business. And it's, it's destroying families. And it's taking the life out of them to sustain a business. And they do it because they think, because it's what they want to do. But we have to ask the question, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? Not, this is what I want to do, right? It's not... These are my desires, Lord, make it happen. Bless me to make it happen. It's no, Lord, may your will be done in my life. May you make my will conform to your will so that I could be blessed. Have you ever seen the opposite effect? When you submit your life under the authority of God, things just start coming into place and you can't explain it. And you're not putting all kind of crazy effort into it in the sense of you're not stressing your life out over it. And the, the Holy Spirit's moving and things are working and things are clicking. That's the anointing of God upon someone's life whose will has fallen in line with the Lord's will. 
and things just happen. I'm not saying that a person like that doesn't have problems. Yes, you're going to have problems, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have difficulties. But it's totally different from trying to just, what do they say, pull your bootstraps up and you're doing it all on your own. You're mustering it with your own human strength and your own human intellect that only gets you so far. When we are subject to the sovereignty of Almighty God, we will understand. You see, the problem with some of these people that live like this is they don't understand whether they believe it or not, whether they believe God exists or not, they are subject to the sovereignty of God. And again, this is why a person can garner all the worldly success, the fame, the fortune, the prestige, the influence, and yet still be empty in their innermost being. You see, searching for purpose in their lives, searching for meaning, if you think about it, if you look back at history from all the, you know, Aristotle and, and all these, you know, philosophers from yesteryear, mankind has had a long time to try to figure it out <laughs> apart from God. But when you think about it, where has, where have we, what have we gotten out of that? All this philosophy and all this, you know, trying to explain the world as we see it. Really, we haven't got anywhere. Clearly, you look at the state of affairs in the world today, you would think we would be further along. Unfortunately, the way we see universities being manipulated and being attacked and professors that try to teach the truth, it's so sad. Unified diversity is something that can be manipulated in strange ways. But you see, all we've received from all this work apart from God trying to explain life is nothing but topical, not tacos, (laughs) topical veneer-like solutions to deep spiritual problems. They're like a band-aid on an open wound. It doesn't do anything. You see, you could have laws all day. And I'm not talking anything about against governments. I think governments are in place. I think they're, they're supposed to be in place. God allows people in power to be in place. And, you know, I like that uh, there are people I know, uh, you know, Daniel prays readily for leadership of our country. And I think that's a fresh reminder. We should always be praying for our government. We should always be praying for our government, praying for revival in this country. Not that we don't pray for other places, but, you know, we want to see restoration and healing. But, you know, we could have laws, right? We could have laws all day long, laws to, do, to not do this and laws to not do that. But the reality is this, and I think you guys understand this. Until we address the root of the problem, being sin in a person's heart, all those laws are going to continue to be broken. Because it's, again, why am I going to follow a law or a rule when I haven't been convicted of God being real and me having to answer to the ultimate authority, who is God? If I don't, if I don't get it right with God, I'm definitely not going to get it right with people. I'm going to care less what the state of California has to say or what any penal code of anything. But if you fall in line with understanding that God is the authority and rule of your life, then you're going to have a much easier time abiding by laws and rules of the land. You see, someone above the order of created beings must determine the course of history, and only God can do this in his unfolding plan. Acts chapter 7 verse 49 says, Heaven is my throne, and Earth is my footstool, the footstool of my feet. What kind of a house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? Also, Psalms 
chapter 148, verse 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. And so we see there just in those two small verses, it's clear as day that God alone is the one in full control. He is the one who holds all things in his hands and should receive all praise, honor, and glory. And he is the one that allows things to transpire within this earth. We go on in uh, this portion of scripture and we see that the apostle John says that he wept much. You see, John wept either because of a previous promise to see the future may now be denied because no one was worthy to open the scroll, or more likely because the consummation of history would now indefinitely be postponed. Because he's like, well, who's worthy? You're telling me no one's worthy. Well, I don't know what's going on. This is not a good thing. Goes on to say no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll, excuse me, or to look upon it. To look upon the scroll, one must have the right to open the scroll and possess it, and no creature was found worthy. Psalms chapter 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. And so, you know, when you look at your life today, I believe this has personal application of there's nothing that should take the place of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. There's nothing that should garner more attention and, 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 and praise other than Him because nothing else is worthy of your time and my time in that sense to take that place, that special, unique place as, as God in our lives. Not ourselves, not our finances, not our careers, not, not, not our ideals. It's simply Jesus, Lord, you sit on the throne of my heart. You are worthy. All right, let's look at the last verse. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Well, that's good news. <laughs> He'd been crying his eyes out. Ah, you know, he, you know, if this was sackcloth and ashes, his whole little garments would have been ripped up. He would have been busted and dusted. You know, but, but the elder says, Weep no more. Dry your eye. Dry your eye, brother. It's all good. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. You see, a lion is a fitting image of our Messiah. And you see, this is how... This is how great God is and how he just man just the way he works right he he may he uses things that we can understand in our finite understanding he uses uh, imagery and he uses symbolism so we could kind of relate and get a just get a glimpse of, of of him right to to understand like how how do we how do we measure him as who he is well a lion again is a fitting image one for the excellency of his strength or its strength lion is a very strong animal right two for his heroical spirit the lion three for his principality the lion is the king of all beasts he's the king of all beasts and for his vigilancy the lion sleeps with open eyes <laughs> 
You see, one of the elders, not an angel, rescued John from his grief, showing him the one who has prevailed will open the scroll. The application is this. Because Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death, we as believers no longer need to weep over the circumstances of life. Like I said before, don't get me wrong. There will be things in life that will push us to our breaking point, to where we feel like we cannot take any more. We may even feel today that we've been broken, that we're just, we're just a mess. Man, Lord, I, I can't take any more. But the key is to keep the right perspective. No matter where you find yourself at in the circumstances of life, keep the right perspective. You see, Jesus Christ alone sits as ruler and king. And for us, we need to remember this no matter what we go through. Because what the enemy is looking for, see, the enemy, Satan is, if I can say this, Satan is the king of suggestion. Right? What did he do to Eve in the garden? Did God say See, it's always a suggestion. Are you really happy in your marriage? Oh, this won't bother. This won't hurt. You won't lose your job if you do this. Oh, you can take that. It's okay. See, Satan's all about suggesting. But we need to have the right perspective and remember who Christ is and who Christ alone is as ruler and king. You see, the reality is, Jesus Christ has absorbed every single sin, past, present, and future for all humanity. That's, I can't even wrap my mind around that. It's, 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 it's just it's overwhelming to think. It just even in your own life. Not, I'm not talking about all humanity. That's for sure. I can't even compute that. But just think of your own life. Jesus Christ gave his life. Every sin you've ever committed, even when you weren't even aware you were committing sins, from a young child to you know, an adolescent to an adult to an older adult, past, present, future, he's already covered it all. You see, you and I have access to peace with God the Father through Jesus Christ. You and I have access to untold joy in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the Apostle John, when we feel defeated and overwhelmed, May we look up to our Savior in heaven. Amen? May we remember what has been done for us. And that will totally change the situation. I mean, your circumstances may not change, but your perspective of the situation and the circumstances definitely will. It's all where we put our focus. It's all where we put our focus. This one was the great figure of the Old Testament prophecy, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, Messiah of Israel and of the Gentiles. You see, the messianic title, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, comes from Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 and 10. And I'll go ahead and read those. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. 
Again, this is a beautiful description of Jesus and how the fact, uh, we sung it in the song earlier, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's going to happen whether we humble ourselves now and do it or we be forced to do it when we have to reckon with the wrath of God. Every human being, every creation in existence will bow. It's just, it's, it's, it's something that's prophetic and, and that's what we are waiting for in, in that sense. Uh, not waiting, sitting on our laurels, but we need to be about our Father's business. But nonetheless, uh, it will come to place when the Lord's timing allows it to happen. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 4 also supports this idea. For thus the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted at their noise, so the Lord of hosts will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill. Again, this idea of the Lord being a, a great lion and the fact that he goes before you. He fights your... But we, talk, we, we sung about that again, <laughs> right? He goes before me. He fights my battles. And this is a beautiful thing. You know, we have to really tap into this and know, man... The Lord, your God, he goes before you. You can walk in confidence. You're encouraged to walk in confidence in Jesus Christ in everything you go through. And I think that's why some people are dealing far better with the circumstances of this pandemic than others. Because they're not allowing the circumstances of this virus or this pandemic to hold them hostage and to make them fearful and to to not live. You have have, uh, dominion over all these things. You know, you have authority, you know, as the demons shake and quiver at the tr- and tremble at the at the sound of the name of Jesus Christ. You know, in that same way, we have authority and power, not of who we are, but of whose we are, because we are Christ alone, because we are Jesus's. We have authority. We have to exercise that authority. Amen. We should. We shouldn't be afraid and timid. I mean, you have your covered. Your life is covered by the blood of Christ. You know, and so you, you, you can walk in that confidence knowing that your, your Lord goes before you and fights your battles. It's a matter of calling upon the name of Christ, right? And being in communion with him. Now, if we're not in communion with him, we're going to be like those fools in Acts. They're over here <laughs> trying to cast out demons and got whooped up, naked, bloody, ran because they're like, in the name of Jesus Christ, who Paul serves. What's that? <laughs> You know, again, that personal connection, that gives you all the access, all the access. And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be anyone with any kind of title to do this. You just have to be a real faithful, believing Christian. And you have that access and you have that authority. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. Hosea chapter 11, verse 10 also tells us, They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west and i believe this is true of uh this that 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 reverent respect that reverent fear of god when you hear that that roar you're gonna go because you know your shepherd you know the the lion and the and the and the lamb are synonymous uh he he he, it's it's just crazy i can't i can't explain it uh outside of the fact that, you know, again, the Lord Jesus gave his life, but as he rose from the dead, right? Uh, Michelle was speaking about it earlier. The world thought of him as weak. Oh, he doesn't have any control. He doesn't have, have any power. They, didn't under, they don't understand 
uh, that he had to lay his life down in order for mankind to be uh, saved, for mankind to have access to be forgiven. And so he had to do that. But as he resurrected from the dead, he is also that lion and that lion that has all authority, all power in the sense of you see the you see his strength. You see, we have a weird thing in, in, in our society where masculinity or strength is Dude's got to have bulging biceps. You got to ride a motorcycle. You got to have, I don't know, you talk like this. You know, you, you can eat glass when you drink a beer. You know, just all kind of weird stuff. <laughs> but that's not, that's not the strength of God. You know, meekness, power under control. That's Christ. And at the right time, when there's no more time and no more time for forgiveness, that's when, man, his just the authority and the strength of him when he's like, I'm going to have to just annihilate this whole place. And unfortunately, those who haven't accepted me, they're going to incur my wrath. That's when we're going to see God like that. But just because we haven't seen him or as we've seen him so far as a, as a lamb does not mean that he does not have that other side of that. That uh, I, I don't know, just I, I guess it related to masculine strength or the strength of the lion. But we see this in that portion of scripture here. The title Root of David comes from Isaiah chapter uh, 11, verse 10. And I'll read that real quick before I, I close in a second here. And it says, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples? Of him shall the nations inquire, as, as his resting place shall be glorious. All in all, hearing all this, the main point is this. God is the only one who is worthy to open the seals and read the scroll. Why? Because God is a loving and forgiving God and he gave his son. He saw that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. He didn't sit back idle. He could have just been like how it was in Noah's day. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to annihilate this earth and forget about it. And he'd grieve over the fact that he even created men, that he even created humanity. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to give my son as a ransom for many. He did something about it. Jesus Christ stepped out of the glory of heaven to redeem his lost creation. Again, he didn't need to. He wasn't, his hand wasn't forced to do so. But it was out of the pure act of genuine love. He loves his creation. We are created in the image of God, the moral character of God. When we are unhindered by sin, what Adam and Eve were before they were disobedient, they, 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 they had that purity within them because they were created in the moral image of God. But this is exactly why Jesus Christ came. As uh, Michelle and Isaiah come up, I'll end with, with this verse. John chapter 8, verse, verses 34 down through 36. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the reason why Jesus Christ is worthy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord... I mean, all we could say is thank you. Lord, just thank you for the fact that you care. You care enough for us, Lord. You care so much that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, so that we could 
truly find out why we were created. And we all ask that question, Lord, why am I here? What, what is my purpose in life? It's not simply to live 60, 70, 80 years, collect a 401k, whatever, you know, get married, have some kids, have some grandkids and be done with life. That, that's not, that's not it. Those are all beautiful things that are part of it. But what is the true purpose of our lives? And the true purpose of our lives is to bring honor and glory to you. I pray that you would waken souls up, that you would waken hearts, that people would be aware of what's really going on and that they would not waste, that I would not waste my time. Lord, it's such a precious thing. You give us time to live. And soon enough, it'll be done and we'll be in, be in eternity forever. What we do now here upon earth determines what we will do in eternity forever. May we be beyond the moment in our thinking. May we not just look to the moment and be lost in the moment, but may we have vision to see past, to have a heart set on eternal things, on heavenly things. Lord, only you can make that possible. Only you can do that within the hearts of men and women. And Father, I pray that you would do that now. We desperately need you. Father, please hear our cries. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.